Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's that time of the week. College gridiron on a Wednesday afternoon from the Bronx. Alongside my partner, Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. We've got a lot to get into today. A lot of it revolves around the games from last week, an exciting slate of games from week four. Nick, what kind of week has it been for you? It's been a great week. I've been better than Notre Dame this week. I mean, I got to imagine that they're pretty disappointed, but they actually showed me a little something this weekend against Georgia. I was impressed with how they played. I think it shows that they're not a playoff team, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch that in a second. It's been a good week for me. I hope everything's good with you. It, it, it has been. It has been good. Um, and, and Notre Dame has had a good week. And uh, Well, they haven't had a good week because they lost. But let's get right into that game because we both went on this show last week saying that Georgia was going to cut up Notre Dame five ways to Tuesday and beat them by, I predicted, three touchdowns. I think you predicted 17 points, I think. Something yeah, like that. Hear, yeah. yeah. Two touchdowns and a field goal. We, we both did not have faith in Notre Dame. We thought that this was not going to be a competitive game, that them being ranked seventh was kind of a misnomer. And they went into Athens, and they showed that they could play with the big boys. We all agree Georgia is one of the best teams in the country, probably the best team that's not Alabama or Clemson. And Notre Dame went in there, and, and they played a solid game. They obviously lost, but... Ian Book threw 275 yards through a couple of picks. They held Jake Fromm under 200 yards. They held DeAndre Swift, the star running back for Georgia, under 100 yards. And we were talking about this before the show that, you know, hey, maybe they're not a joke. Maybe they're a team that can make a New Year's Six Bowl, be one of the best teams in the country. They certainly showed on Saturday that they could probably play with anybody in the country. And, you know, maybe we were wrong to discount them as much as we as much as we did on uh, last Wednesday. Yeah, maybe. I think if you when when Brian Kelly gets really mad, his face gets really red. I think that his face is a lighter shade of red after this game because he's got to be happy with how his team played. Right. That's a difficult game. That's SEC country. That's an environment that Notre Dame is not used to. That's quite frankly, a competition that Notre Dame has showed that they haven't been able to play with in the last couple of years. So credit to them for going in there and making a game of it. I thought their defense was pretty impressive, especially, right, with the problems that we saw with them against uh, Louisville and them going in and holding Georgia to just 23 points, as you mentioned, Jake Fromm under 200 yards. It's just it's one of those stat lines for Georgia where you look at it and say, it's not bad, but Notre Dame did a good job of managing, right? 20 to 26, 187 and a touchdown isn't bad, but it's not what you're accustomed to seeing from Jake Fromm. DeAndre Swift, 18 carries, 98 yards. He's almost at 100. Not bad, but it's not the numbers we're used to seeing them put up. You thought that with the matchup, with the way that Notre Dame's inexperience at linebacker had plagued them earlier in the season, that that running game in particular was going to be really difficult, or if they moved up to really, really emphasize stopping the run, that Jake Fromm was going to have a field day. So their defense, I think, is the most encouraging part of it. I don't think anyone expected Notre Dame's offense to fare particularly well, although they did move the ball a little bit. That's about what I expected offensively. Defensively, they really impressed me on Saturday night. It's funny to think about, too, all the big games that Notre Dame has had under Brian Kelly where they have just been complete no-shows, right? National title game against Alabama, playoff last year against Clemson, 2017 against Miami was a joke. That game was a complete blowout. Think about all those games that Notre Dame has had over the last few years. And yes, 
There are no moral victories. This is a tough loss for them to take. They probably lost any hope they had at the playoff on they, Saturday. Yeah, night. they did. I, I, I don't I just know don't how see. you put them in. It's the yeah. schedule. They don't play anybody else that's – with the way Michigan's trending, and we'll get to them in a second, right, but with the way Michigan's trending, a win over them will not be impressive enough. Um, I don't think Virginia, who they have this week, is enough of a quality opponent for, for you to say uh, they get in. I, especially with them not playing at a conference, I think it's really tough for them at this point. That All of that being said, though, you have to be very impressed with the way they competed against Georgia. They did the same thing two years ago when Georgia – came into South Bend, but to go between the hedges where basically no one wins, right? Since Kirby Smart took over, like, basically nobody wins at Georgia. And Notre Dame went in there with the mindset of, hey, we're going to go in there, we're going to impose our will. They were leading at halftime. You know, they were in this game until the end, and and Georgia kind of took over in the second half because they're really good. And I think this has less to do with us saying, hmm, maybe Georgia's not as good, and more to do with saying, hey, Notre Dame's legit. And kudos to them, kudos to Brian Kelly, because if you would have told me three weeks ago that they would have taken Georgia to the wall like they did after watching that Louisville game, I would have laughed at you because they looked, they did not look game at all for Louisville, and, and Louisville's bad. So Georgia, they've got some things to work on. Um, I, think, uh, I think a point of concern for Georgia, at least for me, is Kirby Smart and kind of late-game decision-making is a thing that he's struggled with, I think. You know, you look at the SEC title game last year, the fake punt, which is still one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life, and then he's up 20-10 to 10 with a fourth and one at the 25, and he kicks a field goal. That's one where you probably like to see him put it away. But, you know, those are uptown problems for Georgia. But credit to Notre Dame. Credit to Notre Dame, because this is a team that we all were down on. And they came in there, and they said, hey, we're no joke. And Notre Dame is no joke, and I could see them going 11-1. I really could. After watching that game, that's a legitimate team. That's a good team. It's just they're not quite up there with the top tier of college football right now just because there's an inherent gap between Clemson, Alabama, and maybe if you want to throw Georgia in there and just the rest of the sport right now. Absolutely. They're they're not. Georgia showed that they are not necessarily in that class yet, and we'll see if they can get there. I think that, again, the – Jake Fromm was was manageable, but I you probably want to see him play a little bit better. That was not Jake Fromm's best outing. So he's got some stuff to work on. I didn't think their offensive line was particularly fantastic. I thought Notre Dame in spots gave them some trouble from a group that's that's a little inexperienced, right? So they'll have they'll have their things to work on, but I think what you have to come away really encouraged about if you're Georgia is that defense, right? Georgia, that's their hallmark. That's what they do really well. You hold a Notre Dame offense that isn't going to put up 40 on you, but if you're not careful, I think they can put up a solid 30. So Georgia's defense did a really good job offensively, which we know is the place where you hope they get to being really solid at the end of the season. That's a place where they just historically haven't they haven't been an Oklahoma type offense ever. I don't think that that's something that's fair to expect from them. So they got to work on improving that offense and, and getting there uh, to try and compete with Alabama or Clemson. But that's the next step. Their defense showed that they were there. So you're, you're nitpicking and saying, well, we want to see a little bit more from the offense. So, yeah, once again, credit to Notre Dame. They played a great game on Saturday, just not good enough to beat Georgia. Um, if you thought that we were in a good mood today, we are, but don't worry. We're going to work on fixing that because the next subject we have to get into, Michigan. What happened? What the hell was that? Um, first of all, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know I am a Wisconsin fan, so I was very happy to see that happen. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor had some of the biggest holes ever 
to run through on Saturday. Uh, that game was over at halftime, and I don't remember ever watching a Wisconsin game against a really good team like that. Well, I, I don't know if I'd call Michigan a really good team, but a really high prestige uh, team like that. And um, saying, wow, you know, Wisconsin's really dominating them, but that's what they did. Um, but to me, and not to take away from what Wisconsin did, um, this game has way more to do with Michigan. And uh, Jim Harbaugh, if the seat wasn't hot already, it is hot now. And if it was hot before, it has gone to absolutely scalding because that was a terrible performance from a team that's supposed to be a top 10 caliber team in the country. And they completely laid an egg at Camp Randall. Shea Patterson was terrible. They didn't run the ball at all. Um, there was there was almost nothing good to take away from that performance for Michigan, and uh, it was I, I don't remember a Michigan team embarrassing itself like that since at least when Brady Hoke was there. It, it's been a while. It, how, it, it was pretty pathetic. How about zero for eleven on third down, forty yards rushing, and losing the turnover battle four to nothing. Is that a recipe for winning or losing? I think that's a recipe for losing, if I am not mistaken. That's that that's tells the story. By the way, time of possession in that game, Michigan eighteen minutes fifty three seconds, Wisconsin forty one oh seven. But we <laughs> knew we knew Wisconsin's defense was good. Well, we knew it, it had played really well and we thought it was good. It hadn't really played against anyone that we thought was top competition. I don't know if they've proved anything right now with the way Michigan's offense looked. Credit to Wisconsin. But how about two scores in the second half? You're down 28 to nothing at halftime? <laughs> 0 for 11 on third down. I, 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 it's just, it's, what do you even say? What, what do you even say? You're losing 28 nothing. Don't say too much. What, that's, that's, that's the numbers right there. It's just, and, and you don't even touch the part where they gave up 200 yards rushing. But if you give up 200, you only rush for 40. You lose the turnover battle 4 to nothing and you're 0 for 11 on third down? Uh, uh, that's that's just that's incompetent offense. Is is what it is. It's not good defense either, but it's but, but it's incompetent offense and and Jim Harbaugh is at the center of the whole thing. And that's that's I think the frustrating part for for Michigan fans, right? Because they they right now look they look like they were sold fool's gold a couple years ago. Because this was a guy who had great success in the NFL and was going to come back to his alma mater, and this was going to be a team that was going to routinely compete. They're not even competing to win the Big no, Ten. No, not even it's close. Not even, it's not even competition. That Ohio State game at the end of the year, I, I shudder at the thought of it because it might be ugly. I, 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 it should be. Yeah. Because they can't score. Yeah. Ohio State just, yeah, it's Miami, Ohio. They put up 76 points. Please. This this team can't score. They don't they don't do about anything well, right? Defensive maybe, but you're still giving up 200 yards rushing. But uh, that's that's what it is. Shea Patterson, two nineteen, two touchdowns and an interception, fourteen to thirty two. <laughs> Shea Peterman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm actually surprised because I, I I had to double take a little bit that he threw for 219 yards because it didn't feel like it. But 0 for 11 on third down. So that's uh, that. That tells the story for me. The offense is a is just an abomination, and uh, I, I don't know what Michigan does from here. Uh, they they're going to have to take a a long, uh, hard look at themselves and figure out what's going on. But but Harbaugh, dude, come on. That's 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 embarrassing.
So, so here's here's my thing with Michigan, right? Harbaugh has never had a great offense there. You look at the offenses they ran, it was never great. But you look at some of the guys in the last few years who have been taken in the NFL draft off of that defense, right? You look at guys like Frank Clark, Jake Ryan, Taco Charlton, just last year, Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich. Yeah, these are really good players. And you haven't replaced them. Yes, they recruit well, but the guys they got to replace those guys have not stepped up. Because we could talk all we want about the offense, and it stinks. It's terrible. But the defense didn't play well either. I mean, Jonathan Taylor got probably the most low-key 200-yard game in the history of the world because he was barely getting touched within, like, five yards of the line of scrimmage because he had massive holes to run through all day. And granted, it was fun to watch. But let me let me tell you this. Let me look at it from this perspective, right? If I would have told you coming into this game that Jack Cohn, who's the quarterback of Wisconsin, would throw for 128 yards... What do you think the score of that game would have been? You probably wouldn't have said 35-14 Wisconsin. Probably not. But that's where Michigan's at right now. They're not good enough, honestly, to be taken seriously. Like, people were saying, oh, this is a big win for Wisconsin. I still look at it as Wisconsin has not played anybody. Yeah, And I, that includes Michigan. I don't disagree. And and we didn't even get to, to Cone, right? But that's a guy who you thought maybe you could take advantage of. I mean, he's not he he's not Jake Fromm. He's not Trevor Lawrence, right? That's a guy who you know Wisconsin coming into the game is going to run the ball really well. You know that the offense is Jonathan Taylor, so stop the run. How, how when you know that Jonathan Taylor is the dude that's going to beat you, right, do you let him run for 200 yards? It just it just doesn't make any sense. And, and again, right, I, I hate to keep harping on it, but then to me that goes back to coaching, right? Because what are you doing? How, how, does, how does Jonathan Taylor beat you? It just doesn't make any sense to me, right? It's got, Cone's got to have more than 16 pass attempts. But he didn't because you could just hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor every play and, and run for, for 200 yards. Yeah, I have the highlights actually came up on my monitor right now. And Jonathan Taylor scored the 72-yard touchdown in, I don't remember if it was the late first or the early second quarter. I think it was late first. He was not touched. No. From his own 30-yard line. Not touched. I mean, that's, that's pathetic. That's embarrassing. Um, and I think the conversation has to move now for Michigan to do you pull the plug on Jim Harbaugh? Because this is year five, right? A lot of coaches don't get five years after failing to live up to expectations like this. And let's be fair. Michigan has not lived up to expectations. Good first couple of years. They went to the Outback Bowl in 15. They went to the Orange Bowl in 16. But since then, and last year they went to the Peach Bowl, which they don't really like to talk about because they got hammered by Florida. But this team has not done what Jim Harbaugh came there to do, which is consistently compete for national titles, be up there in the discussion, and contend for Big Ten titles too. They have not gone to one Big Ten title game. And this is year five, and this team's not going to the Big Ten title game. I'm sorry. So at what point do you sit there and say, hey, this isn't working, we're out, let's go. Because right now, truth be told, this is not working. Because Michigan's, yes, is Michigan better than they were under Brady Hoke? Yeah. It, do you deserve a medal for that? No. And I, I, they're just not where they need to be right now in the Big Ten. And in some ways right now, in a lot of ways actually, they're getting worse as a program. Yeah, I, I agree. And one of the, the things that I missed, right, we were hammering about Jonathan Taylor having 203 yards rushing, but they gave up 359 total. That was That's my bad. I'm, I apologize. I missed that one. So 359 on the ground. 
I, that's, that's terrible. I, I, I forget who it was. I was watching some reaction analysis to this game, and I, I think it was Joel Klatt who said they, they look like they just walked into that game. They had a week to prepare, you know, an extra week off the bye, right? And they they looked like they hadn't seen Wisconsin's offense ever. Like they didn't watch any film. And it's not exactly a revolutionary offense. Either. No, <laughs> but that's and that's the thing. It just to me this screams coaching. And I know that some of the players haven't stepped up. And and I hate to just because it's tough because Shea Patterson isn't as good as I guess we thought he was. Right. So you can blame whoever you want. Maybe Jim Harbaugh gets a pass for that because he didn't realized that Shea wasn't as good as he was, right? But this defense, at least, w- was really good last year, right? I mean, this was a good defense a year ago, and I get it. They've lost some players, right, as you mentioned earlier, but they, they haven't lost enough where it's 359 against an inexperienced quarterback where you know you have to stop the run and you just lose that battle so atrociously and you're so non-competitive. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, don't even – and, again, you rush for 40. I mean, we can put away the offense, but it's just – it, it was domination in all three phases, and it's just, what do you do? It just points to coaching is really the frustrating thing, I think, for Michigan. And I, 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 th- I don't think you make the, the move in season because I just don't think it makes sense. But, man, oh, man, after the end of this year, you got to take a look at it for sure. And I think that Harbaugh can probably save his job if he can beat Ohio State somehow. But I, I, you and I both don't think that's going to happen. No. <laughs> so I, I think that that will secure his job. If he goes in and somehow beats Ohio State, I think that's enough. But, man, oh, man, if he doesn't, I think he's in serious trouble. Well, well that's the other thing with Michigan, too. They haven't beaten And Ohio. they haven't even beaten Ohio State. They have not beaten Ohio State. They've split against Michigan State, who's been very up and down over that time period. Michigan should have beaten them more than they shouldn't, and they haven't beaten Penn State, except for last year. So they they haven't beaten any of the teams that basically you have to go through to win the Big Ten. Or Wisconsin. They've only beaten Wisconsin once. They're 1-2 and two in Harbaugh's time there. Uh, we might as well, let's just look at the rest of this Michigan schedule, okay? So they're, they're ranked 20th this week. They went down nine spots. I don't know why it wasn't more. But they've got Rutgers at home on Saturday. That's that's a win. You think? <laughs> Maybe we're pushing it. But uh, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give, give, give it to them. Yeah, sure. Fine. Then uh, October fifth, home for Iowa. That's that could be a loss. I mean, and Iowa's good. Iowa's fourteenth. I mean, granted they haven't played anybody, but always well coached though. Uh, well coached, and they're not going to come in and lay an egg. No, ever. no. Iowa, I you know, hats off to them. One of the, one of the best coached teams in the country. And again, with the way Michigan looks like they're being coached right now, wouldn't shock me. At Illinois, that's a win. Um, at Penn State is a loss. I'm sorry. And then. Uh, October twenty sixth, home Notre Dame. That's got that's got to be a loss. Oh, that's absolutely right a loss. I mean, like the way Notre Dame's no playing, way. yeah, Notre Dame looked looked good. At Maryland's not an easy game. Uh, home for Michigan State, who's ranked for some reason. Um, that could be a win, I guess. At Indiana's not the easiest game, and then and then home for Ohio State the the weekend after Thanksgiving, which I I. I don't even want to think about it too much because it, it could just get out of control so quickly. But yeah, I, tough times for Michigan football, and, and to think about how high that fan base, that alumni base was when he got hired in 2015, and to see how far it's fallen in the span of not even a half decade, stunning to me. Um, but you know, 
hey, I mean that that's just what happens. You know, you run a seventies, eighties offense in a you know twenty nineteen college football, and you don't have the talent around it. You're an average team, and right now, as terrible as this sounds, Michigan is an average team. If they finish seven and five, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but that's you know that's that's just the state of that program right now, and unfortunately, there's nothing they can really do about it, short of maybe a coaching change after the season. And I think for a second, you just got to say hats off to guys like Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, yeah. Dabo Sweeney, right? Because it's not easy when when guys like Jim Harbaugh come back in and take over at Michigan and a guy like Chip Kelly goes in at UCLA and, and wow, what well, a comeback for them, but you know we don't need to talk about them. You see how difficult it is. Those were two guys who you thought, especially based upon previous track record, were going to have some success in the college level, and they really haven't. So, you know, it shows you how difficult it is, but man, oh man, you got to be frustrated if you're Michigan because the expectations were just so sky high. They, they was just, he was, he was having success. Jim Harbaugh didn't even have a, a season in which he had a losing record in the NFL. So he comes back to college and, and the way he, he coached at Stanford, it was really good, but he, he hasn't had Andrew Luck. So maybe that's, that's where the source of that is. Quite possibly, and I just want to say rest in peace to my playoff pick for the second straight year. I picked one from the Big Ten, and it's not going to happen. I picked Michigan State last year. That went very well, obviously, and this year going just as well, if not better. There is one game, one more game I want to get into uh, from last week, and, and that's the one we talked about on the podcast. This is the one pick I actually did get right. Um, Auburn went into College Station, defeated Texas A&M 28-20. Bo Nix didn't really play well at all, but they didn't need him to. He threw for 100 yards exactly, but still good enough for Auburn to uh, get a big victory over uh, what we both think is a a good Texas A&M team. Um, Did not think they were going to. They kind of dominated early in that game. You know, they went into the the fourth quarter. They were up uh, 21-3. And I wasn't expecting that. I I was expecting a good, close game, which is what it wound up being at the end. But really, when you think about that game, Auburn dominated for three quarters. Uh, They were able to uh, get the victory and, you know, a really good defensive performance from them. Excuse me. And uh, now I think you have to start looking at Auburn as a team that maybe they can make some noise in the SEC. Maybe not on the level of Alabama or Georgia, but, you know, this is an Auburn team that's legit. They could probably go to a New Year's Six Bowl that can – you know, cause trouble for a lot of the top teams in the SEC, you know, including Alabama and LSU, because they've been really impressive so far this season. Hats off to Auburn's defense. I think that's really the message from this game because I did not think that Bo Nix was going to go in on the road and handle that situation particularly well. Now, he didn't, he didn't. He didn't play well, which was something that I kind of expected. And I'm just surprised that Auburn had enough in spite of him not playing well to win the game. So really a a credit to Auburn's defense for for holding them in. And, you know, Bo Nix, 12 of 20 for 100 yards, doesn't jump off the page. Again, he did a good job. At least he he took care of the football, right? But it's, it's all about the defense. I don't think that's a defense that we anticipated being as good as it was on Saturday. Um, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think Auburn had that in them, but they did, and, and Texas A&M, I think, is is still a, a pretty good team, but that's a, that's a really tough loss for them. That's not a, a game that they really 
with with a freshman quarterback and and when you can get him to play the way he did, that's really not a game that they should have lost. I think this game established that Texas A&M is a year away. Uh, as good of a job as Jimbo Fisher has done, and and I could talk about it a lot. You know, he, I think he's done a really great job there, at least at least early on. But they still got some work to do, and I think this game established that. Uh, this is a game that maybe not necessarily talent wise, but certainly with the home field advantage and a freshman quarterback, like you said, that's a game that you go in feeling pretty good about. And uh, they didn't play well on Saturday. And look, it, I don't think it was from a lack of preparation. I just they they got beat. You know, sometimes that happens. And credit to Auburn. Uh, this is one of the best defenses, if not the best defense, Gus Malzahn has had in his time there. But, you know, Texas A&M, they're going to still have some growing pains. And, and we, we even talked about it before. You know, you brought it up. It's hard. You know, building up these programs. Nick Saban went, what, 7-5, seven 6-6 and five, seven six and and five. Six in his first year at Alabama? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not easy. And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Neither was Texas A&M. And, look, they're a year away, maybe two years away. But I don't think there should be any internal panic there because I think they're going to be fine. They've, they're competitive with everybody they play, which is the biggest thing. They're just not there right now. Their fans want them to be a national title contender, which they really never were, even under Kevin Sumlin. Uh, that's that's not going to happen right now. That's not where they are. They've already got two losses on the season. So, you know, you kind of put this year away and you want to see what you have in Kellen Mond. But, hey, credit to Auburn. You know, that's a, a really, really good defense, really stout. And uh, I, I want to see I want to see what they do in SEC play because their schedule is going to be an absolute gauntlet. Um, their final record, you know, if they lose a few of those games, will not be representative of how talented they are. Uh, the SEC, the top five teams in that league, right? Alabama, Georgia, LSU, probably toss Florida in there still, and Auburn is absurd how good they are. I mean, and, and granted, the conference is top heavy. Don't get me wrong. But that top five, I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw, you know, the top four or five teams in a conference just being that good, that head and shoulders above the rest of the conference and right up there in the in the thick of the top of college football. I think they've got five teams in the top eight or top nine in the AP poll. I mean, that that's absurd. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Auburn does in SEC play. But I think if this game showed you anything, it's that uh, they're not a team to be taken lightly. They host the Iron Bowl this year. Uh, they go to LSU. It's going to be interesting to see because they've got an opportunity here to to really make some noise in the SEC. They win a couple of those games. They turn them around. They get to eleven and one. They could be a playoff team. I mean, granted, we're ahead of ourselves here, but hey, I mean, it, you know, they they're a couple wins away from really being in that conversation if they aren't already. So credit to them. The news flash is that the SEC is really good. Yeah. One of the things that impressed me the most, right? A and M only had fifty six yards rushing. That's that's really good defense, right? Because Kellen Mond wasn't bad. 335 yards and two touchdowns is not a bad day. But the the rushing attack for Texas A&M wasn't there, and that's something that I think you've built up over time. One of the one of the things that I've heard from various people talking about building up a program is one of the 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 hallmarks of it is building up that really good offensive line and sometimes to get those recruits in there it'll take a few years and that's really what this shows me more than anything else right A&M maybe trying to build up that offensive line a little bit because 56 yards rushing against a team like Auburn isn't going to cut it but again credit to to Auburn for being able to hold A&M for to, to 56 yards rushing and and they're a force to be reckoned with. I agree with you. I mean, they're they're a good team, and and if Bo Nix can can continue to progress and can continue to become more comfortable in that offense, I, I think they can can make some noise. Now I don't know if they're at the top of that conference, but they're they're there. They're they're going to be there. I think 
maybe not this year, but next year. They're they're progressing and they're moving in the right way. Um, the talk about potentially winning the Iron Bowl, I think, is a little premature because of just how great Alabama is. But th- they could, I think, finish in the top three in that conference if they if they can continue to progress and, and play the right way. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to note we have talked nothing about the week of upcoming games because, quite frankly, they're not very good. Um, there are two between-ranked teams. They are uh, Virginia University, not Virginia Tech. Virginia University at Notre Dame and USC visiting Washington. Those are both mid-afternoon games. Uh, USC is going to have a backup quarterback. Matt Fink's going to probably start that game. Uh, Keaton Slovis is still in concussion protocol. Um, we'll talk about these quickly. Uh, we we kind of touched on UVA and Notre Dame. Uh, we got we both have Notre Dame in that game, correct? Yes. Yeah. I Virginia was on the ropes against uh, Old Dominion last week, so that's that's not exactly a yeah. ESPN's FPI have, has Notre Dame at an eighty nine point six to win that game. Yeah, I like their odds. Uh, we, I'm gonna go with Notre Dame as well. And then this is this is an intriguing game to me. I don't know how it's gonna go. USC Washington. USC is such a hard team to handicap all year. Washington had a loss to Cal, but USC, 21st-ranked team in the land. Washington at 17. Uh, I'll go first on this one. Um, I'll take the upset. I'll take USC. I probably shouldn't do that. That's that's a dangerous pick. I might regret that. I probably already am. But <laughs> I'll go with USC. I'll go with USC in the upset, uh, even though they've not been very good on the road this year, as exemplified by the loss to BYU. But, yeah, I'll take USC. I don't know what Keaton Slovis's ability or availability is. I uh, just third string, second string quarterback. There are going to be some inconsistencies, especially going on the road. Jacob Eason hasn't been fantastic for them this year, although he's been all right. Um, I'll I'll go with Washington at home. All right, so we disagree on that one, but uh, Nick, have a great week. Thank you for being here as always, and uh, hope you guys enjoy. The coming week ahead in college football, there might be some upsets this week. We said that a couple weeks ago, and then there were no upsets. So let's hope so. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to this. This should be another good week. Uh, you know, not not the top heavy matchups that we saw even a week ago, but let, let's get some intrigue. Let, let's get some intrigue. Let's get some uh, let, some upsets out there. Come on, college football. Hey, this might be the week it happens. You never know. For my partner Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you for listening. We'll see you at the same time next week.